Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. So today, welcome to our service. We are in the book of Galatians. For those of you that got through James, I hear some, some cheers out there. We got through James, but now we're in Galatians. And remember, uh, we've been going through the books of the New Testament, and we're going in what's called a chronological order meaning not the way that they're placed in your New Testament, but actually by when they were written. So we started off with 1 Thessalonians and did 2 Thessalonians as well, even though that was written a bit a little late, because 1 Thessalonians was one of the first New Testament letters. And then we went into the letter of uh, James, the Epistle of James. Again, that was written early, 53, 54 AD. And now we're getting into the Epistle of Paul to the, to the, um, uh, to the Galatians. And this was written around 53 to 55 AD, one of his very early letters. He wrote it probably from Ephesus and uh, read it, wrote it to the Galatians, which is not only a church that he founded, but also a region. <laughs> My sermon title today is simple. It's good news. Good news, and you probably know that that's actually what the gospel means. The gospel means good news. So we'll be talking about that today. And we'll be in 10 verses, the first 10 verses of this epistle of, of the Galatians. Now, most scholars you know, have, have no doubt that the apostle Paul wrote this book to the Galatians for, for a number of different reasons. Uh, one of it, however, is his passion. But they take a look at his scholarship, the way the words that he used, and actually many, many books on the New Testament that were attributed to Paul are verified of their authenticity in comparison to the book of Galatians. If it sounds like Paul and it has the same kind of sentence structure that we see in Galatians, often it's said, okay, well, that means that 1 Corinthians, that means the epistle to the Ephesians, they can be attributed to, to Paul as well. Now, these Galatian believers that Paul is writing to are a combination of Gentiles and Jews. Combination of Gentiles and Jews, and they all spoke Greek. And if you remember when we went through the Acts of the Apostles, we said that Paul would often, as he traveled, go first to the synagogues. He would go to the synagogues first, and he would preach there to the Jews. And then after that, he would also preach to the Gentiles. Now, he had more success, quite frankly, with the Gentiles than the Jews. The Jews would be resistant to the gospel of Jesus Christ. After all, it was the Jewish people in Jerusalem that had crucified the Lord Jesus just 20 years before. So they're resistant. But then something else happened. There were what's called Judaizers. Judaizers, and you'll hear that word often as we travel through Galatians because Paul is writing about this doctrine of the Judaizers, and they basically were kind of like Pharisees. They said that in order to be a Christian, you had to be a Jew first. If you were male, you had to be circumcised, and if you, and, and if you were male or female, you had to obey the law of Moses in order to be a Christian as well. Well, the problem was is the Jews were never able to obey the law of Moses. They, they always fell short. That's why Jesus had to come. Jesus came to pay, a, to, to pay the debt that they could never pay through the, the law of Moses. 
So the Jews, like I said, had established synagogues everywhere. So Paul was very used to this. And most likely, he preached in Galatia as well, first to the Jews in the synagogues, and then to the Gentiles as well. Now, as I said, my message today is the good news. And we're going to be starting in verse 1 of chapter 1. And you can follow along on the screen or in your bulletin as well. Paul says this. He says, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And to the brethren who are with me, to the churches in Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 6, he says, I marvel that you are turning away so, so quickly from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Verse 7, he says, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, and now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what we have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For I am still, if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of, of Christ. As I said before, there's, there's no doubt that Paul wrote this letter, and it's because we feel his passion. You feel his passion. Um, you know, maybe you have that, those letters that came to you from your sweetheart. Maybe when you were dating your husband or your wife or maybe somebody else. But you, you get a letter and you can feel them. You can hear them as they speak. And as we go through Galatians especially, we'll hear Paul. We'll hear this, this passion of Paul. That's why it says that this book of Galatians is, is just so Paul. He's just so Paul. Paul speaks passionately. And basically, he's telling them that not to, not to give up on the gospel. That some are saying that there's another gospel, that there is no other gospel. He wants them to, to follow what he told them. There are some that say that they need to adopt the Jewish lifestyle. If you remember back in the book of Acts, we talked about that. Paul and Barnabas went to Jerusalem basically to contend with the apostles that were there, with the elders, and basically prove to them that God had been doing wonders through them by preaching this, this gospel, that the Gentiles could believe in Jesus Christ without first coming and becoming a, a Jew first. That's why it's called the, the good news. The word gospel in the Greek, by the way, is the Greek word evangelio, evangelio, where we get the word evangelism. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a combination word. It means two different things. But, but at the same time, it means basically good news. It means good news. It's how we evangelize, but we evangelize by sharing the good news. Now, I use the New King James, as you, many of you know. So when we teach and we preach, we typically use the King James. But this sermon title is called Good News. So I had to consult a, a few other versions. So for example, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, this is out of the New International Reader's Version. It's, a, it's written to like a third grade level. It's a very easy to read. And it says this, it says, I am amazed, Paul says, you are so quickly deserting the one who chose you because of the grace that Christ has provided. You are turning to a different good news. There's that word evangelio. And he's, it's being translated here as, as good news. And then in the, 
in the uh, contemporary Jewish Bible, it says this, it says, even if we, or for that matter, an angel from heaven were to announce to you some other good news, contrary to the good news we did announce to you, let him be under a, a curse. Again, my title for today is, is Good News, and we'll see that all through this epistle, Paul talks about how, how good God is to us and how he's given us this grace and this mercy that, that has changed us and saved us from this, this corruption. It's something that he's, he's provided. And, and he starts off very, very quickly in his epistle. You see, right after the introduction, Paul says this, and it's in verse 3. Paul says, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Christ, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that we might, he may deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, even in this introduction, this is still the introduction, Paul is already talking about the goodness of God and why this is such good news for us, that he delivers us from evil and that this is the will of God. God does this for us. Now, Paul will teach us very clearly in this epistle that it's the, it's the will of the Father and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, those two things that are combined that provide the grace of Jesus Christ to us, that forgives us of our sins, that brings us closer to him. You know, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, an old song uh, by Kurt Kaiser, and I'm not going to sing it for you, but you know the lyrics. It's, it's uh, Kurt Kaiser sings, Oh, How He Loves You and Me. You know that song? Oh, how he loves you and me. He gave his life. What more could he give? Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. And see, this is the, this is the heart of the gospel, that God loved us. And because of that, we have been redeemed. We've been set free. God the Father is not the only giver, okay? Jesus Christ gave it all on the, on the cross. This is the good news. You know, when I say good news, I, I can't help but, but smile. And, and my wife, Carol, knows why. For, for a number of years, we had a, a Christian bookstore. It was, it was a beautiful store. Carol ran the store. It looked kind of like a Hallmark store from the outside. And it was called the Good News Shop. And it was a beautiful store, and people, Christians from the area would come in and, and be able to buy the books and cards and tapes. We had a lot of greeting cards. People would come in, and it was just so nice to be able to have the churches in the area come to have a, a gathering place, and it was, it was called the Good News Shop. But, you know, here's the thing, is that when we speak of the good news, we talk about the gospel, and, and whether you know it or not, often this gospel is co-opted by other religions. It's co-opted. There are other Gospels. You know, Islam, the Church of Muslims, has a, has a Gospel. They call it the Injil. The Injil. It's an it's a Aramaic word. It means, it means good news. It's, it comes from the same Hebrew text. It comes from the same, same root word. The Jehovah's Witnesses have a Gospel. Now, I don't know if you know much about the Jehovah's Witnesses, and God bless them, but that's not good news what they have. The Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Christ actually came to the earth in 1914, World War I. The Jehovah's Witnesses assert that Jesus began to reign over the kingdom that year on the earth. He cast Satan and his angels down from, the, from heaven to the earth. Well, that's not good news, but that's what the Jehovah's Witness believe. It's a different gospel. It's another gospel. And, and then there's another gospel. You know this one probably. Maybe you don't know what it's based on, but you've heard of it. It's the gospel of, of Tom Cruise. 
uh, the Church of Scientology. Now, this, <laughs> it's difficult to talk about this without laughing, breaking out laughing, because Scientology is based on a science fiction writer, L. Ron Hubbard, who wrote science fiction books. And one of his science fiction books uh, introduced uh, a character, an alien god, called Zemu. X-E-M-U, Zemu. And this alien, alien god Zemu was in charge of 76 planets. And the planets were overpopulated, so they sent their excess population to the Earth. And that's how the Earth is populated. This is what they believe. This is why John, this is why Tom Cruise is so crazy. I mean, this is another gospel. This is a gospel that is not good news. Scientology is not good news. And this is why Paul is so passionate. He can see the people that he's preached to that are following Jesus Christ are starting to be tempted to, to follow something different. They're starting to, to turn away. So this is why Paul writes in verse 6, he says, I marvel, I, I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a, to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some that trouble you and want to pervert uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And again, many read this and they limit it to this idea of the Judaizers. And it's wonderful to know the context. Don't get me wrong. It's wonderful to understand that Paul and specifically is talking about uh, the Judaizers that want these Christians to become like the Jews as well. That's what Judaizer means. It means to, 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 to work or to live according to Jewish customs. But, but the Judaizers were only a, a piece of it. You know, they taught that you had to be circumcised and follow the law of Moses. But Paul is talking about that that there's other gospels out there that are going to compete with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, he says, that's not good news. Turn away from that. Turn away from that. You know, often people refer to this as, as Paul's gospel. I've, I've heard that before, that, you know, this is Paul's gospel. It's not Paul's gospel. This is what God planned from the, from the very beginning. So today we're going to talk about, about three things. We're going to talk about the good news of, of the gospel. And I'm going to frame it in these three areas. It's the good news that God gives us. It's the good news that forgives us. And it's the good news that God meets us. And you'll see how he, he meets us right where we are. You know, God gives us. God gives. That's the very beginning. It, we start there. That God is the giver. He's the one that gave from the very beginning. This was God's idea. For example, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Paul says this, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus as he chose us. Isn't it nice to be chosen? I love it when somebody chooses me. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. You see, this is the, this is the good news that Paul is talking about. You know, it's, it's God that's the giver. That's the first part, that God is the one that gives. He's the one that, that reached down. Jesus is called Emmanuel. That is God with us. We don't have to reach up to heaven like the ancient Tower of Babel had to reach up to heaven to see if they could be God. God came down to us. God wants us to live godly lives. 
Peter continues and, and says that this is through a knowledge of him who called us. That's what 2 Peter says. 2 Peter says that God, through his divine power, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God wants us to live godly lives. The Bible tells us that if God is for us, who can be against us? And that's a rhetorical question. It, means, it needs no answer. Meaning that if God is for us, that no one can be against us. The same scripture in 2 Peter tells us that it's through these promises that God gives us that we can escape the very corruption of the world. That's actually what we sang about this morning, escaping the corruption of the world. It is well. God gives us good things. This is the, this is the good news. The second part was that God, well, God forgives us. God forgives us. Uh, the Bible says in 1 John, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want you to remember, we did this this morning with the, with the communion service, that we're people of the new covenant. It's a better promises. It's, it's a better covenant made with better promises. We're people of the new covenant. This is why Paul is so passionate. It, it's through Jesus, it's through his shed blood that he forgives our sins and restores us into fellowship. And we have an advocate with God, and that's Jesus Christ. All we need to do is turn to him and he'll forgive us of our sins. You know, the author of Hebrews writes this. He says, for I, am, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. That's the whole idea of God forgiving us. In, in Psalm 103, King David writes this. He says, and you know this, he says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the faithful love towards him who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as removed our transgressions from us. That's Psalm 103, verses 11 and 12. You know, I love it that the, the author here, this is King David, says the, as far as the east is from the west. Which way is east? Which I think east is this way, right? East is this way. As far as the east is from the west, they never meet. Had, the, had, the, had King David said the north from the south, you see the north eventually hits the south. You know, you can, you can start walking from Orlando, start going north, you end up, you know, a couple days later, maybe a month later, you end up in Michigan where I'm from, you know, and if you keep going north, you, you eventually go so far north that you can't go north any further. You start going south. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that our sins are as removed as far as for east is from the west. They, they, they never meet. They're forgiven. They're, they're forgotten. They never meet. Let's go on to the third thing associated with this good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We said that God, God meets us. God meets us. And God meets us right where we are. And to me, this is one of the more profound truths of the gospel, that God meets us where we are. You see, Christianity, we say, is not a, a, uh, not a religion, but it's a relationship. And God meets us where, where we are. Uh, Romans chapter 3 tells us about the condition that we were in without Christ. It says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They've all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none that does good, no, not one. You see, this is why God had to meet us. He couldn't wait for us to figure it out and go find him. But God meets us. He comes to us. And he meets us at our very darkest hour. He loves us and meets us right where we are. The scripture tells us in 1 John that we love him because he 
first love us. See how this transaction's working? It, it's where God starts. God starts the action. He meets us first. He loves us first. There's something even far greater in this truth that he meets us. And Jesus tells us this in the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Jesus says this. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, many rooms, many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and you know the way. See, here's the thing, is that that's a wonderful scripture, and it gives us tremendous comfort in some of our darkest hours to know that God is prepared, that Jesus is preparing a place for us. But you see, for these Galileans, for these followers of Jesus Christ that were familiar with the Jewish customs, and we have a couple parables that talk about it as well, they understand the Jewish customs of the wedding. They understand what that was like. They understand that the bridegroom, after the engagement, the bridegroom, he would go back to his father's house to prepare a place for he and the bride. You know, when Carol and I moved down to Mexico, we were passing down on the autopista, down the highway in, in, in metropolitan Mexico City, and we saw all these houses that were half done. They still had rebar sticking through the roof. And, uh, and I asked one of my friends, what's, what's going on? What, uh, these houses, have they just started or are they falling apart? And they said, oh, no, that's the custom in Mexico. You see, um, they, they leave the house unfinished so that when the eldest son marries, he can come back to his father's house and he can build on to the father's house for a place for he and his bride. It's still done in, in Mexico. And this is, as the people listened to Jesus talking about him preparing a place, they understood what he meant. That Jesus himself was going to be the bridegroom. That he was going to come back for us. That's why the church is called the, the bride of Christ. That he'll come back for us. That he prepares a place for us with his father. And he comes and he meets us. That's what we're talking about. He meets us. And he takes us to his father's house. This teaching of Jesus in John 14 referring to taking us back to his father's house is also explained by the apostle Paul. He talks about us meeting us in the future. The Apostle Paul says this, he says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. But if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. He continues, he says, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep who've already died. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. I love this verse, verse 18. Therefore, comfort one another. Comfort one another with these, with these words. You see, God meets us. Not only did God meet us so that he loved us first and he met us exactly where, he, he, where we are, but God will meet us at some time in the future. There will be a generation that will never die. There'll be a generation that will be alive when Jesus returns in the air. So let's finish up today's teaching. Paul makes a very unusual comment about angels, so I want to spend a couple minutes on this. Paul says, 
But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what we have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. You know, in no uncertain terms, the Apostle Paul denounces anyone, anyone, including an angel from heaven, that would preach any other gospel than the one true gospel. Any other gospel. Now, what's interesting is that Paul was being very serious, right? He's trying to be as, as, as succinct as he possibly can. How important it is to understand the, the one true gospel. But in many ways, he's prophetic. He's prophetic. Because the Jewish people already believed in angels. I mean, they believed angels. They, they, I mean, there's a lot of old Jewish stories, old Hebrew stories about angel visitations. And we know, if you read through the Bible, that there's a number of times that Gabriel and Michael and some of the angels appeared to the prophets in the past. That's how they received it. But, but Paul is also being prophetic. Did you know that there's a major religion that relies on an angel of God for their revelation? Uh, did you know that? W would you like to know which one? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. But Muslims, Muslims claim that the angel Gabriel first appeared to, appeared to Muhammad in a cave in Hijra and taught Muhammad the Quran. That's what they, that's what they believe. It was Gabriel. Muhammad was illiterate. So Gabriel had to come a number of times so he would understand their gospel, okay, and then be able to tell it to other people so they could write it down. But the Quran is not good news. And that's what Paul's saying. This is not good news. The Quran maintains that Jesus was actually not crucified, that Jesus didn't die on the cross, that he's not the Son of God. See, this is a, a false religion. This is a false God. This is why Paul said if anyone preaches anything else, any other gospel, even an angel from heaven, let him be, let him be accursed. Now, this Islamic religion, the Muslims, remember that they gained their followers through the sword. You converted to Islam or you, you died. Even today, people who are born today into a Muslim family, if they want to leave, they would decide to follow Jesus Christ. Their family has the obligation and the responsibility to hunt them down and kill them. That's part of the Islamic religion. It's not, it's not good news. Paul closes this section, by the way, in verse 10. Well, this is, why Paul, this is why Paul says, even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel, let him be accursed. So let's finish up. Verse 10, Paul says this. He says, for now do I persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of, of Jesus Christ. You know, this reminds me when Paul says that he, 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 he preaches or he persuades God. Uh, when I was in seminary, my seminary professor said that, remember, Pastor, that when you're, when you're preaching, when you're teaching, when you pray, you have an audience of one. Your audience is God. That's who you're preaching to. That's who you're teaching to. That's who you're expounding to. The rest of the congregation is invited to, to listen in. But your audience is God. It's God that you want to please. And he used this verse that Paul Paul said, because Paul calls himself a, a bondservant. Another word for a bondservant is a slave. And that's who Paul said he was, that he was a, a slave of Jesus Christ. You know, Paul is the, is the model pastor. He's the model Bible teacher. He, Paul refuses to shape his message 
his message to the congregation, uh, to the appetite of the audience. He's more concerned about pleasing God. Paul doesn't say, say it, but I th can think of that, that there are actually many people that don't follow what Paul does. They, they shape their messages to what the people want to hear. And Paul will actually talk about that in, the, in, the, in his letter to the Corinthians. You know, some do teach a different gospel. It's because these teachers, these preachers, these churches are more interested in, in pleasing people, uh, of winning people over, of going a, along with the popular culture. I'm not going to single any out because in every church there are wonderful people that love Jesus Christ. In every denomination there are people that love Jesus Christ and they're trying to do their very best. But we have to be very careful that we try not to please men but to please God. This is why Paul said that there's a, another gospel. We can easily have talked about Hinduism or Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormonism. There's a lot of other things we could have talked about. But the idea is that a different gospel is another gospel. A different gospel is another gospel. It's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have to be very careful. It may sound Christian. They may use some of the words we use. They may use some of the text we use. They may even use the King James Bible. But they might be preaching a, a different gospel. Something could be omitted or something could be permitted that's not part of the gospel. Paul calls himself, again, this, this bondservant. He does this. He does what the master wants him to do. There's only one gospel. There's only one savior. There's only one good news. God is in the gospel. The good news is the good news that forgives us. The good news is the good news that gives us. And the good news is the good news that God meets us. Let's pray. So, Father God, we want to thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.